Elizabeth, thank you guys. It's awesome. Hey, welcome to Kensington Church. My name is Josh, and I get the privilege and the honor of serving and leading alongside these guys and our arts team here at our church. And uh, we just want to say welcome to you. Uh, we want to get you in the Christmas spirit. That's why I'm wearing my red, my green, my flannel, and all that. And so I'm sure you have most of your shopping done. Everything else is going to be coming from those Amazon and UPS and FedEx guys pretty soon. But hey, we've got a great day planned today. It is by no accident that you are here, whether it's your first time or your 100th time. We believe that God has something special for each and every one of you. Um, and before we get started, there's just a couple of things that I want to let you know about to so put it on your calendar and be preparing. And the first one is happening in 2018. Isn't that crazy? 2017 isn't even over yet, but our first event in 2018 is coming up. It's coming up on January 19th and the 20th, and it's called Leadership Gathering. Raise your hand if you've ever been a part of Leadership Gathering. Go ahead. Yep, yep. So you guys know. So everybody else, ask these people after service. Here's what it is. We believe here at Kensington that we can accomplish so much more together than we ever could on our own. So much so that we've created a two-day experience uh, at our Troy campus, uh, which uh, we call Leadership Gathering. And it's a, it's a conference intensive for everybody who serves or leads at Kensington. Um, you get to come and hear from our founding pastors. You get to hear from our core leadership. And your takeaway is huge. It's practical leadership, wisdom, and advice for the next year. Um, that you can not only apply here uh, for where you serve at Kensington, but you can also just apply in your everyday life, your household, your job, your relationships. And so it's absolutely free. You can go online to get more info and to register uh, for that. We hope to see you there. You'll be hearing more on social media and our weekends to come uh, into 2018. So the other thing is... Um, like I said, we're really glad you're here. And, and even personally, I'm really glad you're here uh, because we're ramping into Christmas. And Christmas at Kensington is such a special time. Last year was my wife, Rachel, and I and our kids' first 
Christmas at Kensington here at Birmingham, and it was amazing. Our little kids had so much fun in, in the happy birthday Jesus party that they had, and then our older daughter got to sit in service with us, and um, it's a great family experience. There's carols, there's a great message and worship, just a powerful story that you're going to get to uh, experience. And so um, for a little bit more about that, I'm going to turn it over on video to a really familiar face, and he's going to tell us what this year's Christmas at Kensington is all about. Check it out. Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year, right? Wonderful? Not sure I would always describe it that way. Shopping, busyness, your dreaded office Christmas party, stress, getting your house ready for family, cramming for finals, spending too much money, long hours at the office, year-end number crunching, tension in your relationships. If I'm honest, I have to say that there have been moments in the midst of the craziness around Christmas that I have wondered if life would be easier if Christmas had just never come. Would our lives just be simpler and more peaceful without all the insanity of this season? What if December 25th was just another day? This year, we're going to take you on a journey where we look at a world where Christmas never came. What if Jesus Christ was never born? What would be different? We will look at the impact of the life of Jesus Christ and to how he changed human history. You will be amazed at what we uncover. You won't want to miss Christmas at Kensington this year. The team has been working hard on designing a service with your friends and neighbors in mind. There will be music, video, drama, lighting, and a beautiful response moment that really captures this idea of not only Jesus not being born, but also gives us moments to celebrate the fact that he was born. Don't miss the laughter, the truth, and the wonder of Christmas. Bring a friend, bring a neighbor, grab your tickets as we explore a world in which December 25th is anything but just another day. All right. Yeah, I think Cliff said it best. Um, this is such a great time to invite people um, who maybe normally wouldn't uh, think about coming to church. And getting tickets is incredibly easy. There's a video playing behind me. It shows you just how easy it is. You can even pull out your phone right now and go to our website or on a mobile app and reserve your tickets now. Um, it's as easy as clicking on get your free tickets. And then uh, you're going to scroll to the bottom and click get tickets. And, and here's the really cool thing. They're absolutely free. So you could go on there and get 100 if you want, but you really got to fill those seats. And so there's ways to return them. But the really cool part about it is you can do up to 15 tickets at a time which means you can reserve a whole row. And so you and your family, you and your spouse, or just you yourself, you'll say, my goal is I'm going to fill this row at Kensington, Birmingham. Because the other amazing thing is that we have over 50 Christmas at Kensington experiences, and they're all identical no matter what campus you go to. So please pick Birmingham. We'd love to see you here. Um, so this video is just showing you how you can pick as many tickets as you'd like, up to 15. This person's going to pick five. It's as simple as putting in your email address. We email those to you. You can easily return any unused tickets. And we just want to know that you're planning on coming with us. So please do that today. Do that tomorrow. Do it soon because a couple of those services will for sure fill up in this space. And we want to make sure that you, your friends, and your family get to experience what Christmas is all about. And like Cliff said, it's just not going to be just another day. Um, so I know a lot of you are just getting seated. You just maybe walked in, but I want to invite you to stand up right now. Can you move to the center of your section? And while you're doing that, just say hi to somebody by you. Make a new friend. Introduce yourself. Say Merry Christmas.
been a minute since I've heard that song. That's a classic. That's a throwback. Um, hey, who was here last week? Go ahead and raise your hand again. Were you here? To, you saw our Kaleo kids. Wasn't that incredible? So, yes, it was. <laughs> the day after that on Monday, this was, you, might, you may not know this, we actually took that entire cast, the entire crew, the entire performance, and we performed it live um, at ITA, our partner school in Pontiac, to over 500 kids, their parents, faculty. Um, and the, the amazing thing, this is so cool, because this doesn't get to happen everywhere. Uh, we were able to do the entire performance, leave nothing out. So we got to share the, the message of joy, the message of love of Jesus during Christmas to over 500 kids, the faculty of our school there and their parents. And so, um, th- that was awesome. And so what about the week before that? Who is here for week one of our current series? We, uh, we heard from Ruben and our global partner in South Sudan, and that was just such an incredible, uh, message and story on peace in the midst of quite honestly, one of the most conflicted, uh, nations in the entire world. And God is up to just incredible things there. And so if you missed either of those, they're available online and we'd really love for you to check out those stories. And so this week, we're actually wrapping up the series as we lead into Christmas. It's called Heart of Christmas. And this week we get to talk about unconditional love. And I've seen this story a couple times just leading into this weekend. When I say that I'm glad you're here, I really mean it because we're going to talk about and explore this topic of not just what unconditional love is and not just what it means to receive it, but what it means to actually give it, and live with that mindset, with that Christ-like love. So for a little more on that, um, we want to turn it over to our founding pastor, Steve Andrews, as he sets up the rest of our day. Watch this. When I landed in India in the year 2000, nothing prepared me for what I was to see. The overwhelming crush of people, the unbelievable needs apparent visually everywhere. And my first and instant response was a feeling of hopelessness. Like, what could anybody do to overcome the needs that are so present here? And then I began to see what Jaya and the team and Christ Evangelical Mission have been doing for decades. You know, we've helped them plant 500 churches. We've been a part of beautiful ministries of caring for orphans and for the homeless. And in recent years, the compassion ministry of bringing in old people who had basically been left to die to come and live in what they would consider paradise. It's a picture of love overwhelming hopelessness. And as I invite you to give to Kensington here, to make a year-end Christmas gift, here's what I want you to know. This would not be possible without your participation. This is your story. When we give, when we give sacrificially, when we intentionally say we're going to invest our lives in something that breaks the walls of hopelessness down, this is one of those things that changes everything. A few years ago, I got to go back and see again of what our giving does. Our giving is changing the world. Not just one person at a time, not just one child at a time, but one old person at a time. Old people who consider themselves as having no value, now know that in Jesus Christ, they're of infinite worth. I want to thank you again, because with you, we get to share Christ's love with the world. And we know that Christ's love changes everything.
India, the second most populated country in the world. It's home to more than 1.3 billion people. With an average income of only $616 a year, many people live in poverty, facing a growing income inequality gap and little to no opportunity. Families often find children and the elderly as too much of a burden to care for. Abandoned and on the streets, they won't survive unless someone intervenes. At the center of all Indian culture is Hinduism, the world's oldest religion. With over one billion practicing Hindus and a rigid four-tier caste system, religion is inseparable from all aspects of daily life in India. There are many gods, there are 30 million gods. So people have their own choices to choose their own god. Whatever god I like, I buy from Walmart and keep it. If I don't want, I throw away that god, go to Walmart, get a new god. So how does one improve their status in Hinduism? There is a belief that they go to a temple, then they offer some money and they think their bad karma gone, their sins are forgiven. Mostly Hinduism believe in karma, so whatever the a person facing and experiencing their poverty, malnutrition, maybe physical infirmity, if we have a bad karma, we have to experience that. There is no remedy for that. You have to face it because you did bad karma in a previous life or this life. Jaya Sankar is the leader of Christ Evangelical Mission in the city of Dalaswarm. Known as CEM, his ministry is addressing a multitude of needs in the community by housing over 300 orphans, constructing and running a hospital, and operating a primary school, among others. One of CEM's fastest-growing ministries is the Agape Home, a care facility for the elderly. Along with Naveen Kamari, Jaya is working to get Dallas Farm's elderly community off the streets and cared for. Many places in India, children are abandoned and elderly people are abandoned. And some people don't have food, don't have clothes. Naveen, when these, when these older people are put out on the streets, what do you think they're feeling? So they feel um, very sadly we are just a dust in our relatives eyesight there is no more future some people go to suicide also it's very heartbreaking terrible situation they spent all their life to bring up their children for their welfare, they pour out all their life. But the children grown up, they forget what their parents did for them. Just kick their parents away from, from their house. Just out on the street, you're on your own? Yes. Sometimes maybe a son will take the mother on the car or the bus somewhere. Mom, sit here, I'll come back, he never show up. And sometimes the children lock their house, mom, you sit here, just we come back, they go to somewhere. 
maybe two weeks, three weeks, they may not come to open the door. What she does, he does. Just sitting in front of the locked door, having nothing to eat. Terrible life. Hearing stories of how the elderly of India can be thrown out on the streets by their own families and left to fend for themselves is truly disturbing. But thankfully, there is hope. There are people like Jaya, Naveen, and a whole group of others that are being the hands and feet of Jesus to the elderly community in Dallas Worm. So you actually go out and look for people that have been abandoned on the streets and you bring them right then in their home? Yes. So why do you guys do that? Why, why do you feel compelled to love that group? So in Matthew 25, Jesus says, When I sick, you came. When I uh, hungry, you came. When I thirsty, you came. Yes. Uh, if we do that, it will be glory to Jesus. So you believe, you're doing it because you believe that's what Jesus would do? Yes. When we bring them to home, the more loving person is here. His name is Jesus. He loves you. He did not abandon you like your family. The Agape home is quite a contrast from the busy streets of India. Here, the residents are cared for and loved. The term Agape is a Greek word meaning unconditional or sacrificial love. The old people cannot give anything to uh, who care for them. So it's like uh, Jesus loves everyone, but he does not uh, uh, think about what he what they give back. So he only put on his life with sacrificial love. So that's why agape is only giving, not expect anything from them. We not only speak, but we show our love and action. This is talking and with deeds, helping the people. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your daughter Deepthi's connection to going over there and her heart for those people? And she's grown up maybe around eight, nine years old, she independently visit the Agape home and sit with them, talking to them, what's your, what's your name, how is your health, are you okay today, and do you have any need? Some people say, yeah, I don't have pest. You don't have pest? Okay, wait. When I ask her, why Deepthi, you are doing all these things? Daddy, when I see these elderly people, I don't know. I'm getting some kind, some kind of compassion. I don't know why. I think that God is preparing a second line leaders to look after that 
When I came here, God opened the more doors and more places to serve Him uh, in the children, in the elder people, in the community. So all these things I'm doing for the God's glory because He gave me a life to me. So He filled my He filled my heart with uh, His grace and love. love God and love people. So through the CEM, it will be done. What is true love and where do you go to find it? Jesus said that greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. In the book of Romans, Paul reminds us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. In the writings of John, we discover that God showed his love for us by giving his one and only son. And by this, we know love, that he laid down his life for us, as we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. It's clear that the kind of love God is calling us to is agape love, sacrificial love, love without expectation, the highest form of love. Just as Jesus laid down his life for us, he is calling us to lay down our lives for one another. True love costs us something. Just like our friends Jaya, Naveen, and Deepthi have shown us, Love's greatest concern is always someone else. Jesus tells us that the way people will know that we are his followers is by how we love each other. So let's follow in the footsteps of both Jesus and our friends in India and truly learn to love our neighbor. story, isn't it? It's powerful to see how God is moving all around the world and how a crisis that is existing in India has moved the hearts of Jaya and Naveen and they are running to meet it. It's encouraging to know that that's what's happening in India. We are actually a part of what's going on there. Um, we've got some really cool stuff to talk about today. Um, but I want to say, um, if you haven't received one of these year-end Christmas gift booklets. If you could just raise your hand, we have our ushers have some. We'd love for you to take one with you today. Um, it has, uh, on page 11, there's detail about uh, our global partner in India. and actually walks through all of our different global partners and local initiatives that we have. So we'd love for you to take one of these and, uh, and hang on to it and bring it home and, and just have a copy of that. 
Um, but uh, I haven't really told you about my trip to India. So uh, there was one scene there towards the end where you can sort of see the back of my shoulder and you see this fly crawling up. Did anyone notice that? Any super sharp people that really bugged you? Okay. So apparently that fly or one of his brethren bit me on the trip and I went down with something called chicken gunya fever, which is a very like, no, it's not a dish at a local restaurant. Um, Apparently after I said this in the first service, several people from the medical community were like, wow, dude, like. This other guy I know, he he had it for six months and he's still recovering. There was an outbreak in Haiti and it really messed people up and it can mess with your coordination and stuff. So, Andrew, I meant to tell you, I like, I, I have to admit this publicly on Friday, I don't know if I'm just getting clumsy or what, but I slipped and fell down the stairs three times in one day this Friday. I went outside with a coffee Rinalzi live across from me. I don't know if you saw this or not, but I went, coffee went down. I was more upset about losing my very expensive coffee on the stairs than about me bouncing down the concrete steps. And then I was walking down later at night just with socks on the carpet and went, just like down the last few. And then like really late, I went down to turn off the lights in the basement and I slipped going down those stairs. I'm like, what's going on here? You know, we we had just had a conversation about if houses could be haunted or not. I'm like, no. And then I'm like, Maybe. I don't know what's going on. But uh, anyway, so maybe it's the chicken gunya still like wreaking havoc on my coordination. I don't know. I wasn't coordinated to begin with. So that could be part of it. But so I guess they say the only way to not get chicken gunya fever is to apply a lot of DEET. You know, that, that, that sacred yet dangerous ingredient in your off, uh, you know, bug spray. And I'm like, well, that's weird because I bought the deep woods sportsman's off. You have to like, you have to like buy it through back channels in other countries. It's like been banned and like your skin starts melting when you put it. It's 98% DEET. Like other stuff they sell is like 10%. I'm like, give me enough DEET to kill me and back it off a little bit. So I was like, I was applying that DEET to my body like an eighth grade boy with Axe body spray. I was like, Everything was covered in deed, I'm telling you. It was like, it's all like, how did these renegade suicide deed infected, or not deed infected, these mosquitoes get through it all? But lo and behold, I got it. So it really kind of wrecked me. And uh, that's why I'm sort of half the man I used to be. If you notice, Ange watched the video. She's like, babe, you've lost weight even since early November. I mean, I'd like to say it's because of my rigid practice of avoiding carbs during Christmas time, which also proves my insanity. Um, but uh, I think it was mostly because of that crazy fever that took away my appetite completely. But anyway, I'm glad to be back here, and I think I'm mostly recovered. I think the effects might be lasting, but now I have something to blame like everything in life on. So if I don't feel good, I'm going to be like, sweetie, it's the chicken gunya rearing its ugly head. So I think I need you to get up with the girls. Um, funny because it's true. Um, so yeah, so, but anyone who's ever taken a trip like that, you know, once you immerse yourself in another culture, it really shines a light on not only like what my life is like here, but also you just, you have a deeper understanding and appreciation for what's going on there. I know it happened with me on this trip to India. It happened with me in January when we went to Kenya and I met Ruben and went to that pastor's conference. Probably the most profound experience I ever had with this was 10 years ago, I went over to Israel and Turkey for two and a half weeks and went over there with a master teacher who kind of walked in like, uh, he showed us like the rabbinic style of teaching. And I'm just telling you like a lot of the insights that I've brought up here about Jewish culture or background or context, he started that journey for me and it happened in that place in Israel. 
And so I bring that up to not only say that, you know, when you go on trips, it really deepens your knowledge, but also to invite the men of the room. We are taking a man up trip to Israel from March 1st to the 10th. I've been invited to go along and be the teacher. Justin Warrens, also of the Birmingham campus, is going to be the team leader. And we're going to have an incredible time walking the steps of Jesus, learning more deeply, and getting closer as a community. So we'd love for you to come with us. Details on Kensington's website. And we'd love for you to come with us. Um, Shameless plug, I know. But I haven't been up here in a long time, so I had to take advantage of the moment um, to invite you guys on the trip. So I think... What hit me the most in this video as I watched it again is this idea, what an incredible picture of love. But not just love, unconditional love. And if you've ever seen unconditional love up close, it kind of marks you. You kind of struggle to figure out what you just witnessed and how out of the ordinary it really was. Because we think about, we think about unconditional love, and if we really isolate and focus on it, we would agree that love's greatest Concern is someone else, and it always costs us something. Now, the Greeks did a better job differentiating from the different types of loves. C.S. Lewis, in his epic book, The Four Loves, spent time developing the four Greek words for love. Now, we in our English language, for whatever reason, have only really one word for love. Now, and that word for love covers a multitude of meanings from like how much you loved the last Jedi to how much you love your wife and children. Same word, hopefully different spectrum. You love going out to dinner at a certain place and yet you love your grandparents. Like they're, they're just, but it's the same word. So it's the context that we just have to infer your level of love. Yet the Greeks took four words. The first one is storge. Storge. And this is that word for like. Like, I love this restaurant. They would use the word storge, which means like an affection for, an appreciation of. Then they go, the next word is eros. Eros would be that physical attraction. Like, I'm really attracted to this person. That's eros. Then they go to brotherly love or friendship would be phileo. And that's that idea of of the friendship love. And then there's the fourth word, the highest form of love, unconditional love, sacrificial love. And that is the word agape. Agape love, the highest form of love. And, And what I love too is it's, this is a love that gives more than it gets. It's a love that does not have expectation. Now that's a challenging statement because I think of the people that I love in my life and I think if I'm truly honest, I still have expectations. I still want to get as much as I give. Um, Unconditional love, agape love also has this idea that there's not only is it a love that that is without condition, it's also a love that always has room for one more. If you meet people that love this way, you notice they always have their arms open for one more. They're looking for another and they're not finished. So some of you that have gotten to know me over the last year and a half or so or gotten to know Angela know. Angela is from this family that's like renowned in, 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 in my eyes. They're like the Waltons and the Ingalls and any other great family you can think of. And uh, they just did all these family traditions. Like we, we, we learned recently, they'd wake up early on Christmas morning. Angela and her sisters and her mom would make cinnamon rolls and then deliver them to their friends and neighbors while singing Christmas carols on Christmas morning. 
Who does that? If you live near us, don't wait. The Johnsons haven't started doing that yet. And if you do, I might just keep them because that the carb thing's going out the window on Christmas Day. All right. So amazing family, but I never really knew how amazing until Christmas sometime, or excuse me, Thanksgiving sometime in the early 2000s. Angela and I were living in Minnesota at the time. I was a youth pastor there. Both of her brothers were pastors at a church in Ohio. Her sister was married to a pastor in North Carolina, and her parents lived in upstate New York, and we all flew or drove in for Thanksgiving. So it was a big deal for all of us to be home. Some of you totally relate to that. Right now, your kids are back from college or wherever. Everyone's together. It's a sacred family time. And so all the preparations had been made, and the turkey was ready, and the gravy was hot, and everything was there, and it was kind of that angry, like, get to the table moment. So we all sat down and we're just about to pray. And the door, there was no knock. The door just opens. And in walks a husband and wife and their three small children for dinner. Uninvited, unexpected, unbelievable to me. And I'm sitting there like, oh, who's going to do the honors to tell them, sorry, this is a private party? Like, who's going to say that? This is crazy. I can't even imagine the audacity of this family. And, and, you know, her mom and dad hopped up from the table, ran to greet them, helped them with their coats, threw a few of us out of our chairs, set table, chairs for them, and treated this family like they were absolute VIPs, expected guests, made the conversation about their family and what they're going through. I think that was like the greatest thing I learned about love that year was that meal. In fact, if I told that family... That they did that. They're here today, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? They would be like, wait, what? No. Because her family had modeled such a pop-in at any time for any reason. Their house was always open. Their door was open. And at their table, there was always room for one more. They would receive those that came to them with love, unconditional, without expectations. They didn't come to bring a few extra bucks for five more mouths to feed. They just came and ate and stayed all day with three more children. I'd like to say I would have had the same response, but I think that uh, my family, I think I told you this before, but like my parents got scared by our neighbor that like Halloween was Satan's birthday party. And so we stopped having fun on Halloween and wouldn't even hand out presents or presents, candy to anyone at our door. So we would actually turn off all the lights. And for those brave souls that would walk up to our door, even though we sent out the universal don't bother us sign, we were all sitting on the couch watching them and we laughed as they left disappointed. So that was, that was my upbringing a little bit. So you can imagine how I would have received the uninvited Thanksgiving guests. It would have been ugly. But funny, years later, anyway. So they love those people that they receive. But here's what I think is so different about what we just saw in India. It's one thing to love people that we are receiving. It's one thing to love people that are coming to us. It's one thing to love the people that God has placed in your life. But what about what we saw in that story where they not only love those that receive, that they receive, but then they also go out and search for those who have been abandoned. They load up in a van and drive around Dalaswarm, a city with a massive population and a small geographic area and a ton of people living on the streets. They go out looking for people who need a place to live. Now that's different. That's very different. I think I'm pretty good at loving those that God's put into my life. 
But am I going out searching for the one who has nothing and has no one? Challenge me to my core to see them do that. To me, that's the part of the story that just slapped me in the face and squeezed my heart. Do I love that way? Because I think they are putting into action, like they said, we're doing this because we believe that this is what Jesus would be doing. And they're not just saying that based on some hunch. These are the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Look what Jesus says about his mission. He says, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Seek and save. So go find them and then rescue and save them. He doesn't say the son of man came to receive and restore. I mean, that's a part of it as well. But this was his mission to say, I'm going to go out looking. In Luke 15, verses 4 through 7, he takes it further and uses a common parable, common story of their day and says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I found my sheep that was lost. And here's what I love. Verse seven is so powerful into the heart of God. So I tell you, there'll be more joy or rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This picture, and what he's saying there is like, not that they don't need repentance, they feel like they're self-righteous, in other words. Like, well, we don't need to do any of that, we're already all set. He's saying, all of heaven rejoices when just one who is lost is found and brought home. That's the very heart of God. And I love thinking about even Kensington's mission. To see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus Christ. And what I'd love to add to that, not officially, because they'd probably get in trouble and we'd have to reprint everything, but to say, to see everyone everywhere transformed and mobilized by Jesus. Because our heart is to see not only people in our world, not only people in Birmingham, Royal Oak, Southfield, Beverly Hills, Bloomfield Hills, and our surrounding areas here. We want to see them reached and transformed and mobilized by Jesus. But we also want to see people in India transformed. And and that's what I love about that word transform. Transformation starts by meeting someone where they are, doesn't it? Transformation starts by meeting the immediate needs that someone has. Transformation doesn't start by saying, hey, walk in the doors when you've already begun the process of transformation. Or come in here when you've got your life cleaned up. Or come to us when you've found a place to stay and we'll take care of your medical bills. Saying to an old person on the streets in India. Transformation starts when we meet someone in their moment of need, in their moment of crisis, right where they are. We want to be a church. We want to be a movement of Jesus that people feel that they are welcome here no matter what is going on in their life. And we want to meet you right there because we believe that's where Jesus meets us is right at the deepest point of our need. He doesn't look at the homeless person in and say, okay, you can't come here until you find a place to stay. You can't come to me until you clean up and get a shower. He just picks them up and loves them and brings them home. What's amazing about this story As a lot of these people are put out on the streets, not just because of cruelty of their children, 
but because there's a, there's a practice in the Hindu culture that, that's leaked into social and financial cultural understandings where if someone passes away in your home, then the house needs to be vacated for six months for spiritual cleansing. So now think about the pressure that puts on a family that's already struggling to make ends meet. Now, if your elderly mother-in-law or father-in-law or whoever is there and they take a turn for the worse and you're seeing their health deteriorate and you're sitting there going, honey, we have nowhere to go for six months, half a year. I mean, where would most of us go if we got kicked out of our house for six months to a year? Our parents, our relatives. And so some, you know, it, it's, of course, it's still cruel and, and, and hurtful to do that. But, but some, maybe it's heartbreaking for them to have to put their parents out. But they literally cannot afford for them to die there because they will be put out of their homes. And so you have this situation that exists. But yet, Christ's evangelical mission, their ideas, they don't go up to these people on the streets and say, Hey, are you a Christian? Because they know that 97% of that culture is not a Christian. It's 85% Hindu and and a bunch of other religions. And so they go and they don't care what your belief system is. What they do is they go and they find them and they bring them home. Now it's great cost to them. Because as we know, true love costs us something. It costs us something. There's nothing to be offered back from them. There's not some role they're filling. There's not some chore they're doing. There's not some, they're they're not clocking in and working in the hospital. They're just doing it. I can honestly tell you, I don't think I've ever really understood unconditional love fully until I became a parent. And I still don't have it all figured out for sure. And I still battle selfishness. But a couple days ago, our sweet little Harley. If you were here last week, we put a picture of her up on the screen. We just, her adoption just became finalized. Just incredible joy. She's such a light to us. We love her so much. She just turned two. Um, on Thursday night, I was at the Kensington Troy campus getting ready to deliver the message for our preview of our Christmas service. And so uh, we do that every year and it's just kind of to run through it all and, and get some feedback. And, and uh, so I was I'd already done my run through and kind of got the slides up there and I was ready to go. I had my Bible and I started getting calls from Angela. Like first it was her phone, her number. Then it was some weird number from Pontiac that I didn't recognize with no answer. So I'm not taking the calls and I tried to call her back and couldn't get a hold of her. Then I hit the find my iPhone thing, which is that little stalker app you have where you can see where, where the phone is. I'm like, why is she at the hospital? I'm assuming it's maybe her parents because she was with them. Finally, I got a hold of her. and She's like, Harley had, is in full anaphylactic shock. She had an allergic reaction to something we, she ate. We're still not 100% sure what it was. But as Angela was running into the hospital with her, she's throwing up and screaming and just covered in all these really itchy blotches. And so Kensington's amazing. They're like, dude, go like your family. So I just ran out to my car, drove to the hospital and came in and Angela was holding her in her arms, loving her and... I just know, like, just seeing your child hurting so much, it's like, whatever it took, like, whatever it took, it didn't matter. Like, if we had to stay there all night, like, they wanted to keep her overnight, so I sent Ange home to get some sleep, and I just stayed with her, and stayed with Harley, and I'm holding her hand. Have you seen where they put kids in, like, observation? It looks like a shark diving cage. Have you seen it's like it's like metal bars? It's like the scariest crib on planet Earth. They're like, but they have a teddy bear and a blanket in there. So I'm like, yeah, but they still feel like they're going to Shawshank for the night. Anyway, um, 
So she's scared, and I'm holding her hand at four in the morning. She falls asleep, and I just crawl into this bed that was there that was made for Frodo Baggins, apparently. But, and I slept next to her, but it was like, who cares? Like, it didn't matter to me. It didn't matter because this is our daughter, and we love her, and we would literally die for her. It's like God's using children now to show me his love for me that is so much deeper than that. That goes so much further than that. Because I'm loving a child that was given to me. I'm loving a child that we received. God's love goes further. God's love goes after those who are lost. God goes pursuing those who are wandering. God goes looking for the hurting. And that's the heart that he wants us to have. That's the heart that he gives us is a heart to go after the one. True love costs us something. And this happens so clearly in a verse that many know. If you don't know it culturally, it's on signs held up when guys kick field goals. John 3.16, for God so loved. Guess which word for love is used there? Not liked, not sort of friendship, not attraction, agape. God so agape, highest sacrificial selfless love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever will believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Love costs something. True love costs something. It cost the life of Jesus Christ who willingly gave his life so that we can be free, so that we can experience true love. And in doing so, now we can be his ambassadors. We can be his agents. We can now take on His expectation, which is then to go looking for people. To not just love those that come to us, but to go looking for those who need to be loved. With the love that comes from Jesus Christ. Selfless, unconditional, agape love. Just a couple of practical thoughts as we finish up my time. If you think about the one, because there's one that you know, and there's one that I know, and maybe only you know that that one needs to meet Jesus, needs to experience Jesus. Maybe you know what's going on in their life, and you're thinking, my goodness, I need to somehow go after them. Practically, that video said that Jesus gave us two commands, to love God and to love people. How can you love that person during this time of year? How can you reach out to them? How can you serve them? So first thing is just ask and pray and think, God, how can I serve and seek the one in my life? How can I find, who is the one you want me to seek this year? To share your love with. And then on a super practical note, this coming Sunday, one week from today, in this very room, which we're so glad to be back in now, our third week back at Groves. We are going to have a 9 o'clock and an 11 o'clock, a 1 o'clock, a 3 o'clock, and a 5 o'clock. So pray for me and pray for us. But it is in our culture, in America, this is the day that more people than any other day attend church. It's the number one church attended day in our country. Which means what? It means that people know they need to be there to hear the real story. What they're seeing around them, they know this is not the real story of Christmas. They want to hear the real story. 
What an incredible opportunity to just say, hey, would you like to come to my church with me? Sit with me? Reach out, get them a ticket, invite them. We don't put all this time and effort into this just so that we entertain ourselves. We want to see people who were lost come to know Jesus through this. That is our heart. So that's a a couple of practical ways. There's another practical thought as well. I'm going to sit down for this. Um, When I was over there and I found out that they go from in their van and they go finding more elderly people that have been abandoned, I was like, I've got a little bit of an adventurous streak in me. I was like, can we go? Like, when when do you go next? Can we go like tonight? I want to go with you. It's got to be incredible rescues. Like, this is awesome. Wow, I want to be a part of it and like meet them. And like, I said, well, yeah, we're hoping to go back out soon. The problem is we're full. Like, we're full. We have nowhere else to put them. We're totally full. And sadly, the only way that more room is made is when someone passes away. Because they're just, they're, they're out of space. And I'm like, well, what about this building over here that's sort of like the shell is there and the bricks are up? And, and they said, well, that's where we want to put them. And when that's finished, we can triple. We can triple the amount of elderly people that we can care for. Um, so I don't know how you're wired, but I know for me, if I watch a documentary or a special Dateline episode with my wife or something that brings some injustice to mind, I'm kind of like number two on my strengths finders activator. So I'm like, let's go. How do we get there? Where? And, and oftentimes it just goes to the closing credits. Thank you for watching Dateline. Next week we'll hear another serial killer story or whatever it is. And I'm like, whoa, like, how do we get involved? How do we get a part? So I'm looking online and then it comes up all these organizations that are involved. I don't know where to go. I don't know who's who. I don't know who's good, who's bad. You read about scams, all this other stuff. I think what's encouraging about, about this time of year at this place is that we want to see everyone everywhere be transformed and mobilized by Jesus. And this is just one story that you saw today. It's part of our global reach as a church. We want to see the agape old age home expanded so that more people can be sought and saved. Because when they feel that new family, these people that have spent 80 years following a completely different religion are giving their lives to Jesus. Think about that for once. I think about that story of that shepherd. Think about that journey where Jesus Christ has been pursuing that person for 80 years as they worship one of 30 million gods living in total opposition. And then it takes their family, throwing them on the street. Someone who's from Christ Evangelical Mission that's connected and supported by Kensington Church to be found, brought in, and they experience such love that they give their life to Jesus before they pass away. Now that's an incredible story. And we're invited to be a part of that. We have the honor and the privilege to give to that, to see more people reach that way. Three weeks ago, we saw the story of Reuben, Miriakal. He was just here. He was on the stage. I was three days back from India. I had full chicken gunya and I didn't know it yet. But Reuben was here smiling, greeting you at the door, shaking hands, giving hugs, laughing loudly. And then we found out that he is bringing the gospel in South Sudan, where it's being torn apart by civil war, one of the most dangerous places on planet earth. And Reuben is there because he felt called by Jesus to plant churches among the tribal warfare. And one of his disciples that we saw in that video killed three men in a a warring tribe, has those three scars. Remember his name was Nicodemus? 
If you haven't seen these stories, go online and watch them. They're incredible. Through God's grace, Nicodemus gives his life to Christ. Reuben disciples him. And now he has gone back to the very tribe that he murdered the people in. And now he's pastoring them. These stories are, they're just too good to be true, but they are true. I think of Kaleo kids and the story of joy through, through Lily and Kamaya and Kamaya's mom dies and she still goes and performs with K-Rock back when they did that. And her friend Lily finds out she has type one diabetes and they both say they have joy in the midst of heartbreaking circumstances because of God and because of Kaleo. I know for Angela and I, we haven't been here that long. But I'm just telling you, like, we are blown away to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. That this is not a place where we want you to give so that we can have a bigger video screen or better smoke machines or cooler seats or cup holders. Cup holders would be nice, though, to be honest. (laughs) We are more concerned about going after the one whether they are in Beverly Hills, Southfield, India, or South Sudan. So I would just pray and have you pray and just challenge you to consider, if you haven't done this before, um, making a year-end Christmas gift to the work that we're doing around the world. Um, Angela and I have prayed about it, and we're excited to give towards the work that God's doing all around the world. And uh, just would love to challenge you to be a part of that. It's an honor and a privilege and an incredible opportunity for us. We won't all be able to hop on a plane and go to India. But through our generosity, we could see God do incredible things through these gifts. So I'll challenge you to do that. Our, our ushers are actually going to come down and receive our offering. There's many ways you can give through the app. You can give through our website. You can text. You can write a check, whatever works. But just uh, thank you for being a part of this with us. And we get to see God do incredible things because of your generosity and your faithfulness. And we are believing that God has even more in store. So our band's going to come out. They're already here. And uh, lead us in a few songs to finish our day.
second and third lines of that song because it's our response. It's our worship. It's our response to who he is and what he's done. And we give him praise because he's worthy. It's so special. And so that's exactly what we want to invite people into next week, Christmas at Kensington. And so um, I want you to take that and take that thought with you this week and be thinking about who's going to sit next to me. Who am I going to extend and seek out with unconditional love and invite them even to something like next week right here uh, for our five services? I also want you to know that if something stirred in you, if maybe something Cliff said or Jaya on video or uh, the fact that his nine-year-old daughter is is actively serving uh, with unconditional love, if something changed in you or maybe you, maybe you, did something crazy, super bold this morning. You prayed and asked Jesus into your life, made him your Lord and Savior. The best thing you can do is tell somebody. So we're going to have a team down front afterwards. You can look for me or Cliff or anyone else. And we'd love to connect with you, get to know you, walk beside you and, and, and resource you for what's next for you. And also, if you've come into this place with a burden, if there's something that's weighing heavy on your heart and you're thinking, man, I wish I, wish I could tell somebody. I wish I could could ask somebody to pray for me. That's exactly what this team down here is for. Um, They're just like you and me. They're not perfect, but they also love unconditionally. And they're here to listen. They're here to lift you up in prayer. And again, if you're new, would love to invite you to step into the lobby and go to Starting Point. Uh, Take your free gift with you. um, Learn more about who we are. But for everybody in this place, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Have a great week. And please make sure that you're back here for one of our five services next Sunday. See you guys.